G'day everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Road Less Travelled Podcast. My name is Nikki Shea, for the next little while we'll be stepping back on the Road Less Travelled. This week coming to you again from WA, we thought we'd keep the momentum going from our last adventures up around Mount Magnet and Kew and head to Geraldton which is probably about 240 260 kilometres to the west of Mount Magnet and you can head to it on the Geraldton Mount Magnet Road. Just bear in mind that that road is quite a busy one due to the fact that a lot of trucks use that for the mining and also for the grain industry. So keep that one in mind as we head this week to Geraldton and we head up towards the coral coast of Western Australia. So Geraldton located to obviously the north of Perth. You can head up the Brand Highway uh, for a direct route to Dongaro. If you like to try the coastal, I really recommend that you do the Indian Ocean Drive, which will take you out through uh, Gilderton Ledge Point and follows the coast up through Cervantes, Durian Bay to Greenhead, Lehman, um, Cliffhead, and then it will port Kirk catch up with the road at uh, Dongara Port Denison so uh, that's probably a a much better picturesque uh, road to take but for if you're wanting the direct route then head up the Brand Highway to Geraldton. Um, Speaking of Dongara, a great little uh, fishing hamlet I guess we'd call that one uh, on the outskirts of what's that about six I think 60k south of Geraldton. Speaking of Geraldton in Geraldton, as they call it, Gero, it's all about the lifestyle. It's what brings people to Geraldton and what makes them stay as well. It has a beautiful Mediterranean climate, uh, the sun shining almost all the time. In winter, the temperature averages around the 20 degree mark and 33 degrees in summer. It makes for the perfect beach lifestyle and Jero's stunning coastline attracts people from all over the world. Whether it's for the water sports, uh, a spot of fishing, uh, you can also say hello to the friendly sea lions or just relaxing there, beaches are simply world class. In addition to the spectacular torque, and they do that, have some beautiful torquoise water. It's just and it's crystal white sandy beaches. Geraldton has now a booming cafe and restaurant scene. Uh, Marine Terrace's West End has now cemented itself as a go-to for locals and visitors with the popular strip featuring great coffee, food and retail and not to mention Geraldton's array of fine cuisine and dining options which of course feature the local produce. Alongside Geraldton's many food choices of course are the retail options. With extended trading hours Geraldton has a large range of shopping options from many local stores and boutique brands to the larger nationwide franchises. Now, whilst Geraldton is classed as a regional city, they have some amazing cosmopolitan lifestyles with an array of modern bars and nightlife to match. Now, you'll never be short of anything to do with an ever-growing events and entertainment scene at Geraldton. With everything from live music, theatre, comedy, dance, there's also got fringe festivals. It's cementing itself as a leader in entertainment in WA. In addition to that, you can add their arts and culture scene, which has it all, from galleries, history, street art, and a lot more. And it's not just their beaches and stunning foreshore. They're home to the magnificent HMAS Sydney 2 Memorial, uh, the Western Australian Museum, the St. Francis Xavier Cathedral, Seal Rock, there's a live lobster factory, the Point Moore Lighthouse, and the phenomenal Hoytman Abrolhos Islands, located just off the coast. There's a total of 122 islands which makes up the pristine Abrolhos Islands, located, as I said, 60 k's off the coast of Geraldton. They are accessible via aircraft and boat, and there you can do diving, fishing, snorkeling, photography, and all bird washing. The Abrolhos Islands are really spectacular. 
And Geraldton's also a central hub for people to explore the attractions of the wider Midwest region, including the Mullawa wildflowers, the amazing Calberry Gorges, we'll get to that in a moment in the Skywalk, the Pink Lakes and the array of beaches up and down the coast. Now, many people actually base themselves in Geraldton to explore the wonders of the Coral Coast, as we know there's so much more to discover at Geraldton, and you can jump onto the visitors website which is visitgeraldton.com.au you can find out places to stay what's to do what's on um, and there's plenty of things you can do a, a holiday planner as well and as with many other places to visit all around Australia nowadays you can get plenty of accommodation there's B&Bs there's motels there's Airbnbs there's caravan parks camping um, as I said, five-star hotels as well. So Geraldton is an official RV-friendly city. Strategically located in the CBD, you'll find the Francis Street car park. That provides ample room for RVs of all shapes and sizes. Travellers will love how central they are, close to the visitor centre, the shopping district and the centres, as well as the Geraldton foreshore and that abundance of eateries. There's additional overnight and five-hour RV-free parking spots can also be found at Point Moore and at Drummond Cove. Uh, RV and caravan parking can also be found at the parking station 5, which is near the Stirling Centre. Fees may apply, so just check that. The Francis Street car park has eight 24-hour RV parking bays, as well as access to an RV dump station and a water point. The Point Moore car park has six RV overnight parking bays available, as well as access to a barbecue and an ablutions block. The Batten Hall car park at Drummond Cove has five overnight RV parking bays as well as access to a barbecue and the ablutions too. And also, if you're looking to empty your cassettes, as a little bit personal, but you can do that, you can jump onto the Visit Geraldton website and if you're looking to go off the beaten track as well, you can check out plenty of other great camping spots. The Drummond Cove Holiday Park uh, is set in tranquil bushland surroundings and just a short walk from one of Geraldton's best beaches, which is Drummond Cove Holiday Park have a wide range of accommodation options to cater for all budgets and to suit all tastes. Pets are allowed but by prior arrangement. The Belia Gardens Caravan Park is one of the most centrally located caravan parks. It's right across the road from the Pages Beach and just around the corner from Point Moore Lighthouse. There's a variety of different options including units, chalets, unpowered and powered sites for the caravan. There's a beach lover's paradise at Sunset Beach Holiday Park. It's situated right on the ocean's doorstep. The Holiday Park has a variety of different accommodation options available, including chalets, units and cabins. I think that's much of a muchness these days, isn't it? You can immerse yourself in the Midwest bushland at the Geraldton Caravan Park. You can take a plunge in the sparkling in-ground pool and then finish the day off in the amazing barbecue area. Again, a variety of different accommodation options available. Now, located just off the Brand Highway in the middle of Dongra and at Geraldton and brimming with views of the regional Midwest is the Espen Caravan Park. Contains really big grassed areas, modern facilities for travellers and families of all ages. It's next to a fuel station, allowing you to top up before your next adventure and obviously grab a bite to eat. There's an Okabella Homestead as well, which is just north of Geraldton. It's one of the best homemade scone destinations, a beautiful camping facilities as well. Okabella Homestead is a camping 
and caravan-friendly destination that offers you a third night free when booking two nights. It's also, important for us, a pet-friendly location, meaning that you can bring your dog travelling with you, and the homestead has stunning views, loads of history, a tea room with tasty food, and places for you to explore or just stretch your legs. So there's plenty to see and do. As I mentioned, jump on to visitgeraldton.com.au, and it is really well set up. Um, it, as we said, it's a regional city, but it's very has a very big feel to it, almost like a big city feel to it. And they're really um, making a point of catering for travellers. So if you do have a caravan and an RV and you want someone to hook up and, play, and you know park for a couple of days, you can do that at Geraldton. And I think that's something too that we need to talk a little bit about when places, nothing worse when you've hooked up the caravan and you're trying to get around a town, for example. I can remember uh, Jeff and myself trying to negotiate our way through Echuca during the Christmas holidays with a caravan on the back with about 100 other th- caravans and camper trailers as well. So trying to negotiate your way around towns that you're not familiar with can be quite uh, can, can be quite daunting, especially if you're still using the old map book and not going through Google Maps or Siri. That's uh, something that can be quite daunting. So Geraldton's certainly a place that is set up um, for caravans, for campers, for RV people as well. So uh, pop that on your destination list if you can and uh, head to Geraldton. Plenty to see and do in Herald in Geraldton. In Geraldton. If you're a history buff, as I am, it's brimming with history with just a walk around the CBD. You can see it for yourself. The HMAS Sydney 2 Memorial, it's the country's premier site for honouring the 645 Australian sailors who were lost off the WA coast during World War II. It's open 24 hours with tours at 10.30am daily with a little gold coin donation. The St Francis Xavier Cathedral was designed by Monsignor John Hawes and took 22 years to build. It's in the heart of the CBD. It looks amazing both at day and at night as well. Speaking of the Monsignor, he has the Heritage Centre. You can ex- That's where you can uh, discover the extraordinary life and the works of Monsignor John Hawes. The Old Geraldton Jail is now a craft centre. It was established in 1856 at a cost of £1,240. The Old Jail was originally built as a convict's hiring depot. The first 20 convicts sent here from Fremantle built their own quarters and those of their warders. When the jail closed in 1984 with the opening of a new facility at Greenough, it had served the Midwest for 128 years and became the second longest jail in Western Australia after the Fremantle Prison. It's open Monday to Saturday with tours from a Tuesday to Thursday at 2pm. Again, a little donation will uh, make them happy. The Museum of Geraldton, you can discover the local Aboriginal history and culture and the region's unique natural landscapes and marine environment. The museum shop has a great range of souvenirs, gifts and educational items, open daily from 9.30 to 3pm. The Batavia Longboat Replica. You can experience the maritime history by sailing aboard the Replica Longboat. It sails on the last Sunday of each month, weather permitting. Sailing is free and again, donations are welcome. The Lighthouse Keeper's Cottage was built in 1876 for the Geraldton Lighthouse Keeper and his family. This little cottage is made of whitewashed random limestone rubble, rubble walls. I was just going to say rubber rubble walls under a colour bond corrugated iron roof, which originally was shingled, and it's set amongst beautiful gardens. It ceased operating at the lighthouse as the lighthouse keeper's cottage in 1943, and has been home to the Geraldton History Society since 1971. So plenty to see and do if you're a history buff um, like me. Plenty to see beautiful old buildings around the Geraldton area. You can. Get yourself a holiday planner as well. You can do island hopping fun. There's terrific uh, walk trails, 
You can do a drive trail as well. If you're into water, heaps of water sports, there's uh, plenty of fun for the family as well. And if you're wild about wildflowers, it's certainly one that you can, uh, most of that area around this time of year is fantastic for checking out the wildflowers. Uh, so Geraldton, a great place to base yourself. But for us, it's back onto the road as we head now to Northampton. The drive from um, Geraldton out to Northampton is probably one of the little pretty little drives as well. It's about, so I think it's about 55 k's north of Geraldton is Northampton. And you start to get an idea of the way that the land is starting to change as well because you'll be going through the um, coastal plains, then all of a sudden you're going through great little cuttings um, of, um, what was it, sort of like the Midwest... Um, uh, what we call it, um, sort of like the last of the wheat belt before we start getting into the outback kind of look. You're coming through some really red colours of the rocks as you're starting to go through some of the cuttings and then you head out to Northampton. Northampton's one of the oldest settlements in Western Australia outside of Perth. It was formally declared a town site in 1864. Now, it was classified as a historic town by the National Trust of Australia in 1993 and it really exudes a friendly country charm with historic character buildings lining the main street surrounded by rich golden agricultural lands. Northampton is best known as the gateway to the town of Calvary and the hamlets of Horrocks and Port Gregory. In Northampton and its surrounds, you can see the Australian heritage standards at its most authentic. As I mentioned earlier, located just south of Northampton is the Okabella Homestead, which offers those daily tours of beautifully restored buildings, explaining 1851 at its pioneering best with stone homestead glory. It's also a great stopping point off on your way north or south along the Coral Coast. You can also check out the, exp- the experience the Aussie Outback bush tour and dinner learning from Bush Tucker Foods and listening to the captivating sounds of the didgeridoo at sunset before returning to the homestead for a campfire dinner experience. You can check their website for dates. Additionally, if you're on a self-catering holiday, it has a bookable camping site facility as well with showers, toilets and full disabled facilities. Now, the Hampton Road Heritage Walk presents a really unique opportunity to explore 37 historically significant buildings in Northampton. You can start your visit at the old police station, which was built in 1882, which now houses the Tourist Bureau, and that's where you can pick up a guide to the walk. You can examine the fine construction work of many of the buildings, which are believed to be built by convicts, and you can step back in time with a tour of the Chiverton House Museum to learn about life of the miners in the late 1800s. You can also visit Our Lady in Aria Cola Church and the Sacred Heart Convent, which were designed by our friend Monsignor John Hawes, who was a prominent and respected architect and priest who was responsible for many significant buildings in the region. You can also saunter through the Guala Church and the Cemetery Ruins, stop off for a coffee or a bite to eat with many dining options also staggering along the route at Northampton. Now, the Botanic Line is a bush garden walking trail, which includes paintings of Melaleuca, grevilleas, there's acacias and everlasting wildflowers, all grown from native seeds collected locally. It's free to the public. It begins in Stevens Street in Northampton and follows a path along the old railway tracks, past a replica of a rail siding house down the hill for approximately 400 metres. 
You can visit the historic Northampton Visitor Centre to pick up a copy of the Hampton Road Heritage Walk brochure. It includes buildings on the walk such as the Sacred Heart Convent and the Church of the Northampton Family Store, which has continued to operate as a drapery store since 1913. You can see the Chiverton House Museum, the Northampton Motors and Machinery Restoration Shed, which is home to an impressive collection of vintage motors and machinery. Exploring the region's railway history at the railway precinct, which dates back to 1879, you can venture along the Guala Railway Station walk trail and you'll see the remnants of the station and rail which is coupled with informative signage as well. You can explore the Mary Street Railway Precinct, which was opened in 1913, and you can view the station office, the carriages, platform waybridge, and plenty of railway memorabilia. If you uh, so desire to do so, you can take a four-wheel drive holiday to Woolene Station, which is 200 kilometres north of Mullawa and east of Northampton. This station is located on a heritage-listed wetlands and it's home to an array of animal and bird life as well as wildflowers in spring, but you've got to have a four-wheel drive to visit. If you're interested in ecology and the culture of the Australian bush, it's certainly the place for you. If you're into Aboriginal art, there is plenty of tourism on offer at the Storytellers Keeper, Keepers of the Dreaming, which is an Aboriginal tourist experience, providing visitors the opportunity to observe Aboriginal art and craft being created. There's various art forms, including painting, basket weaving, wood carving or burning, and jewellery making. And each piece of art forms celebrated artistic and cultural integrity from the primitive exotic to the contemporary all on this Aboriginal art gallery. There's also in town a free chemical pump out station for caravans that's now available behind the Hampton Gardens at the north end of town. So whilst visiting Northampton make sure you stop in at the Pink Lake Buggy Tours at Hut Lagoon, the uh, West Australian Indigenous Tourism Operators Council and the Calberry Visitor Centre, which we'll get to a little bit uh, later on, and also, of course, the Northampton Visitors Centre. You can pick up a uh, souvenir postcards or great information about the local area. They're very friendly, very knowledgeable team, and really happy to assist. So a great place to call into is Northampton, and, of course, you can base yourself there as well if you so desire. So about 45 to 50 kilometres north of Geraldton uh, is Northampton and just a beautiful old town with uh, lovely historic buildings. Uh, the architecture is just absolutely sensational, sort of just pops out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it was a little gold mining village for a little a little bit. But uh, at Northampton, you can either keep going straight on the northwest coastal highway uh, towards uh, Carnarvon up that way, or you can head left, we did a left-hander, heading towards Horrocks because we're on our way back towards the coast, towards Horrocks, Port Gregory, and then up to Kelbarry. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more of the Road Less Travelled podcast in a moment. The Road Less Travelled podcast is a proudly Australian, fiercely independent podcast hosted and produced by me, Nikki Shea, for Fat Cat Media. We receive no corporate payments, which means we rely on self-sufficient financial support. If you can and are able to, we would love you to support us via Patreon. Listen to the Road Less Travel podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. Now, this next little destination I want to have a chat to you about, we stumbled on it by accident when we were coming back from Calbarry, we sort of did the opposite way. So we were heading south from Calbarry towards Northampton. This way that we're going, we're heading north from Northampton up along the coast. And it's called the Linton Convict Hiring Depot in operation from 1853 to 1857. It's a little um, 
I don't know how you would describe, but we'll call it a little hamlet for want of a bit of better terms. And there are ruins and complete buildings of con- of a convict settlement there. It was the first convict depot north of Fremantle in WA. It was established on the 22nd of May 1853 with the arrival of the 173-ton Brigantine Linda, which transferred 60 ticket-of-leave convicts and pensioner guards, which were retired British soldiers, that had arrived that had arrived in Fremantle on the Pyrenees on the 1st of May. It was established to supply labour to the Geraldine lead mine, which was 64 kilometres or 40 miles north of the site on the Murchison River, to the local settlers. The depot was closed by order of Governor Kennedy on the 3rd of January 1857 due to the high cost of the government of its maintenance. The staff of the depot included for a time Arthur Leon Owens, who was the husband of Anna Leon Owens, who would later become prominent as the author of a memoir regarding her career as a governess to the royal family of Siam, which was Thailand. The uh, Leon Owens' son, Louis, was born at Linton. Five Irish immigrant women from a bride ship are also known to have arrived in WA at Linton. And by 1856, a store, bakery, depot, lock-up, hospital, lime kiln and administration block had all been built, but a lack of fresh vegetables had seen the convict population ravaged by scurvy. It was decided to close the settlement, and the convicts were then transferred with the officer in charge to Champion Bay in 1857. Now, the transfer seems to have been due to the growing importance of the town of Geraldton and the need for public works in the district. Linton remains the most intact example of a regional convict depot in Western Australia. It was entered on the register of the National Estate and vested in the Northamptonshire Council Conservation Works in Progress, and that's all available through the Northampton Historical Society. It's about um, the depot is situated about 6.3 kilometres southeast of Gregory in WA, and you just stumble upon it. It's a sign that popped up and said Linton Convict Hiring Depot. We pulled in and had a look, and there's probably, I think there was about, at that time, five buildings that had been restored, and there's other buildings in various stages of restoration. But you can wander around at your own leisure. There's a little graveyard there as well, um, and there's little interpretive signs too. So you can just walk around it with respect and admire it, and it's just a terrific little place that just popped up out of nowhere that I knew nothing about. We did a little bit of research later on and uh, came to find it was called the Linton Convict Hiring Depot, and it's just absolutely... Just a, a lovely little place that you can wander around at your leisure. So we continue our journey heading towards Calberry and we pop into the beachside village of Port Gregory. It's famed for its pink lagoon, exposed reef, spring wildflower scenery and settler history, complete with the convict-era buildings and the shipwrecks. You can swim, dive, fish and immerse yourself in this quintessential Western Australian beach holiday spot. It's just under six hours north of Perth by car. The fishing village is nestled between the beach and the hut lagoon near the mouth of the Hutt River. With its five kilometres of exposed reef forming a natural harbour, Port Gregory is a sheltered aquatic playground. From the safe swimming beach to the water skiing area, there's something for everyone. You can launch and anchor your boat, scuba dive in the clear waters, explore the reef, try a hand at offshore fishing or drop a line off the jetty. Rock Lobster is also a local favourite. Then there's a host of natural delights awaiting on land too. In spring, as I've mentioned earlier, the wildflowers just blanket the surrounding countryside. You can take the scenic drive through the hinterland hills and valleys. You can contact a local tour guide to ensure that you see all the native flora hotspots or for an adventure 
of a more interactive kind, try a guided self-drive quad bike tour at Wago Beach. It's a unique opportunity to discover the pristine Indian Ocean coastline between Port Gregory and Kalbarri. As I mentioned, check out Linton, that historic settlement built by convicts in the mid-19th century. It was home to a depot that served as an early employment agency, recruiting the convicts to work at the local Geraldine mine and the pastoral stations. You can today visit those restored buildings, the hiring depot and Sandsford House too, I much neglected to mention. It's a must-see for history buffs. So Port Gregory, it's got an equally diverse range of accommodation options from the town's caravan park to nearby farm stays, chalets and beach cottages and also make sure that you visit the hut lagoon at sunset with this magnificent salt lake changes color from mauve to pinks to purples so whatever you do but make sure that you call in to port gregory it's not necessarily right on the road it's just off the road less traveled but certainly worth calling in and having a look at Here's something you will not know. The, the Japanese submarine L-165 left Surabaya on the 21st of January 1943, heading for the West Australian coastline. It arrived at a position of about 7 kilometres off the coast of Port Gregory at around midnight Tokyo time on the 28th of January 1943. Their commanding officer fired off about 10 shells from the 3.9-inch deck guns towards Port Gregory. The purpose of the attack was apparently to draw the Allies' attention away from the fierce battle at Guadalcanal some 3,250 kilometres away. That is definitely a fact that the Japanese did bomb um, just off the coast of Port Gregory, something that you will definitely not know, but definitely a fact of history as we move now from Port Gregory and head off to Kalbarri. And this is where the scenery really starts to light up along Shoal Point, Bluff Point and Red Bluff as you head into Kalbarri itself, beautiful coastal uh, part. And Kalbarri is a part of the traditional lands of the Nanda people. They were re- recognised as um, the traditional owners of more than 17,000 square kilometres um, in 2018. They were recognised as traditional landowners. First European people were in the area came from the crew of the trading ship Batavia, belonging to the Dutch East India Company, who put two mutinous crew members ashore near Bluff Point, just south of the town. The cliffs near the river mouth were named after another trading ship, ship rather, the Zoetdorp, that was wrecked there in 1712. The area became a f- popular fishing and tourist spot in the 1940s, and by 1948, the state government declared it a town site. Lots were soon surveyed and the town was gazetted in 1951. And in April 2021, the town suffered serious damage with tropical cyclone Seraya. The tourism is the main uh, mainstay rather of the town. It's geared towards tourism and fishing with attractions including the daily pelican feeding. If you do that, it's absolutely awesome. We did that uh, down by the down the beach. The Kalbarri National Park, where you can spend days in there. The Murchison River Gorge and, of course, the Murchison River. There are two charter boats that go on to view the Murchison River. The town itself attracts 200,000 tourists every year, with the population of the town swelling to 8,000 during the holiday seasons. Electricity to the town and hotels is supplied by a three, uh, 33 kilo, kilowatt, no, that's KVA rather, power line from the central grid. And to increase the grid stability, a grid battery is also installed. The National Park, wow, this is just fantastic. As I said, you could spend days um, touring around the National Park. It's home to a phenomenon of geography and geology known as the Z-Bend a tourist lookout, and Nature's Window, which is a rock formation overlooking hundreds of kilometres of the Murchison River. 
The Rainbow Jungle, which is the Australian Parrot Breeding Centre located a few kilometres south of the town centre, features hundreds of exotic species of birds in their native habitat, plus there's also a walking cage which allows you to actually walk in and interact with the birds. Red Bluff and other coastal cliffs and formations are located south of the town. It lies in a warm summer Mediterranean zone, uh, bordering the more tropical semi-arid climate. The winters are really mild with warm days and occasional heavy rain, while the summers are pretty hot and dry with occasional storms and more rarely a decaying sort of tropical cyclone. As I said earlier, in uh, 2021, the town was struck by a Category 3 cyclone, which did cause significant damage and caused widespread power outages. Calvaria was also featured at the end of the film Wolf Creek when um, the character Ben Mitchell was airlifted to hospital from Calvaria Airport. And in the television series Prison Break, the character James Whistler states he's originally from Calvary. So there you go. Something you would not normally have known. Let's talk a little bit more about doing some tours around Calvary. Plenty of accommodation, as you can expect, in a place like Calvary. We've stayed at the Calvary Seafront Villas. We've also stayed at the Calvary Beach Resort. We've stayed, too, at the Calvary Edge Resort. We've also stayed at the Calvary Tudor Holiday Park. And we have based ourselves, too, at the Calvary Anchorage Caravan Park and the Murchison River Caravan Park, too. So there is just an abundance of... uh, places to stay uh, in Calberry itself and you can also do a little slow down Nikki I'm getting excited folks I'm getting excited check out their visitor centre as well calberry.org.au and that gives you plenty of options of other places where you can stay um, when you're doing all your touring around and uh, plenty of plenty of great places to eat too Um, we've spent many times at Calberry and it's just a fantastic place We, we love doing it We spoke a bit about the National Park. It's one of the most spectacular parts in Western Australia. It's over 186,000 hectares in size. It's located at the lower reaches of the Murchison River, one of the best places in the world to find ancient traces of the first life on land. Winter, of course, wildflower season when you can delight in just a myriad of unique wildflowers that grow around the National Park's inland gorges and coastal cliffs. All roads within the park are sealed and suitable for two-wheel drive vehicles. Calbarry, if you don't want to do a tour, it's a six-hour drive north of Perth and Calbarry's National Park's inland gorges can be accessed from both the west and the east. The western access is from the Calbarry town itself by the Arja Calbarry Road. The eastern access is off the northwest coastal highway via the Anja Calvary Road too. The National Park's coastal cliffs are accessible off the George Gray Drive. The inland gorge sites for the past 400 million years, I'll repeat that, 400 million years, the flow of the Murchison River created magnificent deep red and white banded gorges throughout the landscape of Calvary National Park, which stretches 80 kilometres towards the ocean. Here you can explore the depths and the heights of the river gorges and admire the floral beauty of the vast rolling sand plates. Sand plains, rather. Located about 500 metres from the Loop Car Park is arguably one of WA's most iconic natural attractions. It's nature's window. You walk down a little picturesque trail to view the rock formation that just perfectly frames the rugged upstream view of the Murchison River. Nature's window marks the beginning and the end of the loop walk in an 8km walking trail. It's a class 4 hike, it's pretty easy to do. Just be aware though that temperatures in the river gorges can reach 50 degrees in summer. For this reason, the loop walk is closed after 7am from November to March inclusive. 
don't walk the trail in hot weather. It is super hot. Even when we went there once September, October, it was stinking hot. And ensure that each person carries and drinks three to four litres of water each per day when hiking in the national park. Now, located across the gorge from Nature's Window is an innovative tourist precinct and the National Park's newest attraction, which is the Kelberry Skywalk. It's a universally accessible precinct, features twin skywalks, which project probably about 25, here I am gesturing with my hands, 25 metres and 17 metres beyond the gorge rim and sits more than 100 metres above the Murchison River. It is a skywalk platform and they're located 100 metres apart from each other. The other precinct facilities include kiosks, walk trails, the interpretive signage, which share their stories and the history of the local people. There's also shade, shelters and toilets. Further south in the National Park is the Z-Bend Lookout and the Walk Trails. This lookout is a about, I think it's about 600 metre walk from the car park. It's one of the most breathtaking views of the park. It's absolutely sensational. Below the lookout, the Murchison River it plunges about 150 metres down to where the Red River gums create just a striking contrast against the earthy hues of the sandstone. This Z-Bend River Trail features Pretty deep descents and ladder climbs down into the gorge and hikers will enjoy the six kilometre four ways trail which continues on and presents a bit of a challenging option so make sure you're a little bit fitter than what you might normally think you are. Make sure you, you are fit. The Ross Graham Lookout is the easiest place in Kelberry National Park to access the Murchison River's edge. It's just a short walk from the Ross Graham Road car park. It's an ideal location to enjoy a walk or picnic along its banks. Nearby, you can enjoy the views from the Hawk's Head picnic area or wander down the path to the wheelchair accessible lookout. Keep your, ear, keep your ears, keep your eyes peeled and your ears open for rare black flanked rock wallabies among the rocks. You're at 207 metres above sea level and only five kilometres from Kalbarri. Uh, Minara Hill is the perfect vantage point for 360-degree views of Kelberry and the Murchison River flowing into the Indian Ocean. It's an ideal spot for photos, and I've got to say, thoroughly recommend, especially at sunset. Just fantastic. Look out for wildlife around the inland gorges. Some of the most common animals you encounter are kangaroos, emus, echidnas, the thorny devils, and an abundant bird population, including birds of prey like wedgetail eagles. Kelberry's coastal cliffs, they feature magnificent towering cliffs which plummet right down to the ocean waves 100 metres below. If you start at Red Bluff, which is just south of the town, there's a dramatic coastal cliff which extends 13 kilometres to the National Park's southern boundary. These National Park sites are free to visit. There are numerous signposted pathways and lookouts providing really safe exploration of this just truly rugged, beautiful coastline. You will also see migrating wheels, wheels, migrating males that can be seen from the coastal cliffs between June and November. At the southern end of the coastal cliffs, you can enjoy the natural bridge and island rock. And again, I can't rave enough about just stunning coastal views. A short walk from your car park, the visitors can just look out over the natural bridge in search of marine life, including, as I mentioned, those whales and also dolphins. The resilient island rock was once part of the shoreline and that now stands as a solitary sort of sea stack against the forces of the ocean. Island rock is reminiscent of the Twelve Apostles. Take in the views from the Eagle Gorge lookout, named after the wedge-tailed eagles that nest in the gorge. These truly magnificent birds can be seen often soaring through the sky in search of prey. And for anyone seeking a little extra adventure, follow the stepped rocky path to discover a secluded beach 
just mind it blows your mind. It's fantastic. The Bagurda Trail, that's the Bagurda being an indigenous name for a small kangaroo, is an eight kilometer one way trail connecting the natural bridge with Eagle Gorge. It provides stunning coastal views with great photo opportunities. And halfway along the trail, make sure you stop at the grandstand to peer into Kelbarry's deep cavernous cliffs from the walkway above. This unique walk showcases a vast array of wildflower species from July to November, with pods of dolphins and humpback whales also a common, a common sight. Now, Pot Alley was named by local cray fishermen after losing many cray pots to this hazardous cove. Here you can enjoy the spectacular ocean scenery amidst the expansive rugged gorges or walk the short track to the remote beach below. Slightly north of this place is um, plenty of informative signs. It takes you back 400 million years as you wander along the marked circuit that connects Rainbow Valley and Mushroom Rock. Allow probably a good couple of hours for this walk where we, and you can, we marvelled at the varied geological formations and you can see kangaroos feeding amongst the coastal heath as well. Now Red Bluff Beach is a popular location for fishing and swimming featuring white sandy beaches contrasted against the striking rust red rocks. Red Bluff is particularly spectacular at sunset or for whale watching from the Red Bluff lookout. You can hike down from the lookout to Red Bluff Beach along the beach trail, also known as Gabba Gabba Yina, to see amazing views across the Indian Ocean in impressive rock formation and reward yourself with a swim at the bottom. But be careful, the track is steep with plenty of loose surfaces. You will go bum up on that one, I'll give you the, give you the tip. The inland gorges of Kelbarry National Park, they're open from 6am to 6pm, so from sunrise to sunset. National Park entry, it's only 15 bucks per vehicle carrying up to 12 passengers. And all coastal sites of Kelbarry National Park are free to visit. If you've got a two-wheel drive, will you be able to access it? Yes. All roads within the National Park are sealed, meaning access is available to both two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive vehicles. If you're hiring a car upon your arrival in WA, check with your hire car provider. Make sure your insurance covers National Park access. Roads are sealed. It generally shouldn't be a problem, but check at the time of pickup. You can have um, campervan and RV access to the National Park. Parking is available for those types of vehicles in Kalbarri National Park. You can go on plenty of tours. There's a number of tour operators that can share the best locations in the National Park and contact the Kalbarri Visitor Centre. Camping at Kalbarri National Park isn't permitted. Visitors are expected to have left the National Park by closing time. The, excep- the exception to this are people who are joining in the after, if there's an after-dark tour going or an overnight hike. Um, make sure when you are visiting, I can't stress this enough, bring ample drinking water with you. If you're planning on a walk or a hike, each person, three to four litres of water a day. It's actually signs up to let you know. If you're planning a uh, extended hike in Kelbarri National Park, they say that you get in contact with the National Park headquarters via email so that the department rangers are aware of your plans, movements and group members. And unfortunately, overnight hikes are not permitted from November to March, inclusive because it is so bloody hot there. Make sure you jump onto, you can do a heap of, um, as I said, the Calberry Visitor Centre. You can also drop, drop onto australiascoralcoast.com to follow the destinations, places to see and do, things to see and do, where to stay, inspirations for trips and planning your visits. It's just one of the most magical places. that I, I love Kelbarri. It's just a great place to visit, to holiday, to explore. Um, the photos that you can take are just amazing. Um, I've taken some of the best photos I have of the National Park through the Murchison River and through the gorges and also up on the coast, uh, the coastal cliffs as well. 
um, on the what's at the west side of of Kelbarry. Um, that's pretty much. I'm getting too excited. Slow down, Nikki. Plenty, plenty to see and do in Kelbarry. Plenty of places to stay and enjoy. You can enjoy local seafood as well with plenty of eateries, um, hotels. Um, sit on the beach and eat fish and chips. Make sure you go feed the pelicans at breakfast time. It's just a lovely place to visit. I can't recommend Calberry enough. So make sure that you put it on your destination, heading out from Geraldton. Make sure you head along the coast to Calberry. So as you're heading north back out towards the uh, northwest coastal highway, probably about 56 k's out of Calberry just before you get to the turnoff itself. In the distance you see this funky looking chimney it's the warabano chimney built in 1858 by francis w pearson for the geraldine mining company the smelter was used until late 1859 the warabano smelter complex ruin is the oldest identified european mining site in western australia and the smelter is the oldest surviving smelter in wa and one of the earliest in australia it consisted of one roasting and two large smelting furnaces with a large chimney located 105 feet above the works. Close by were cottages for workmen, a blacksmith shop, a quarry and a convenience supply of wood. The Warabano smelter is one of a complex of sites associated with the Geraldine Mining Company and with Port Gregory and the Linton Convict Hiring Depot for the shipping and transport of lead, which caused the construction of wells along an overland route through Treveson. The name Warabano was first recorded by surveyor William Phelps in the 1860s. It is believed to be derived from two Aboriginal Nanda dialect words, Wari meaning fire and Bunna meaning hill. The Geraldine lead mine, located approximately five kilometres northeast of the um, the highway, is the earliest European settlement in the midwest of Western Australia. So, just before you head on to the main drag to head north to uh, towards um, Carnarvon or to go south towards Geraldine, you'll see the uh, the little smelter chimney in the distance. Jump out there and have a look at it. Uh, lovely views from it, lovely photos that can be taken as well, and little interpretive signs there too. We'll pick up another trip. I think we might continue along the um, northwest coastal highway and head up towards uh, Denham and Shark Bay and up to Carnarvon and talk a little bit more of some of those places that we've visited previously on The Road Less Travelled. My name is Nikki Shea. You've been listening to The Road Less Travelled podcast. Thanks so much for your company. We look forward to seeing you somewhere on the road less travelled. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. This has been The Road Less Travelled, a podcast about travelling and camping on the road. Written and hosted by me, Nikki Shea, produced by Fat Cat Media. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we'd love you to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Even better, please leave a review. Any comments or questions, please email fatcat at iinet.net.au and to be notified on the new episodes, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed.